Coming to you from Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida. And streaming around the world. Around the world. You're now tuned in to the Sales Samurai Podcast, the only B2B sales podcast providing unfiltered, unapologetic views and tactics directly from the sales trenches. Here's your host, Sam Capra. Well, welcome to another episode of the Sales Samurai. Thanks for listening. Before we begin, do us a favor, take a moment to subscribe and download. On today's show, we're going to be discussing why time management and omnipresence matters more in 2022 than it ever has. And I have an amazing guest for you guys. We've been chatting a little bit offline. We can barely contain ourselves. I got Mr. James Buckley. Say what sales. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, dude. You said it. You said it. Say what sales. <laughs> oh, I got to ask you, but that's one of the questions. Trust me. And I know you're Chief Evangelist MC over at JB Sales. But man, really. Fantastic to have you, brother. How are you? Thank you so much. Yes, I have the best job in the world. I get to host incredible events for incredible salespeople that want to better themselves. I couldn't ask for a more exciting and fun position to have. I'm a very lucky person. <laughs> Obviously, I and before we jump in, because I'm gonna I know the audience is well aware, you're all over LinkedIn. What you and John and Morgan are doing, the whole JB sales team, you guys are phenomenal, the content you guys create. Yeah, watch out for the ladies. The ladies are coming. Leslie, Shelly, and Meg Halsey. You guys are not ready. You're not ready. <laughs> well, I got to ask, and I should probably know this because I'm sure it stems from something I've heard. I'm going to ask it anyway. I'm going to put it, I'm going to put the onus back on the audience. Let's say they don't know. Where does say what sales come from? I'm just curious. Yep. So uh, the short story is that I had a friend who started his personal brand as Mr. I Love Fridays, and he would say it at the end of all his content. And Mr. I Love Fridays didn't go very far because it turns out lots of people love Fridays and human beings are wired negatively. So he changed it to hashtag Mr. I Hate Mondays. And he would say it at the end of all his shit. He'd be like, hashtag Mr. I Hate Mondays. We'll see you next week, everybody. And it was always like this one minute, like quick, I'm going to hold my phone in front of my face and talk to my people like it was never highly produced or anything <laughs> and i absolutely loved him his name is kenneth herring still a friend of mine like we hang out dude he is just had a son so we hang out less you know how that is when he started that it got me thinking about my brand because he had branded himself so well and i really admired what he had built for a following so i said okay well not long after ken before kenneth and i met i had put a post out that went viral and it improved my pipeline health like tremendously, like overnight. The post that went out was a template. It was a joke template. I think my post was, no shit, I'm not serious, this is serious shit. I said, wouldn't it be great if our templates were just honest? How about this one? And then this was the template. Dear lead, first name, whatever. <laughs> We could do this dance for like eight months where I annoy the heck out of you and you ignore me to the best of your ability. Or we can put like 10 minutes on the calendar and then we can find out if we should have a real conversation. What do you say? Like that was the template. I posted it like in the afternoon and then I went home for the evening. And when I came in the next day, I logged into LinkedIn and that post had like 219,000 views. And my DMs and my inbound connection requests were so ridiculous. 
I remember some of those DMs. Of course, I spent like the next week combing through all this stuff. Like, oh my God, everybody wants to like know me and talk to me. And of course, that's like the number one thing a salesperson can say is like, how do I make people want to talk to me? Content that matters to them is the way. Yeah. Right. So naturally, I get through all of it and I say, all right, there's obviously something to this. So I should keep this train rolling. (laughs) What's next? So then I was like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use a different opener every day and I'm going to track the results and I'm going to share it every day, what the opener was that I used on my cold calls and whether or not we had a conversation and then like where it went, what was the end result? Dispositions. I was using a product at the time called Dial Source. I think it's called something else now and it's been acquired anyway. So I did. I started like, and no shit, man. These are like one minute videos where I'm like, all right, everybody, today I said, what's popping when somebody answered the phone every time? And I scheduled six meetings and had 42 conversations. Open your calls with what's popping because people get caught off guard and they're like excited to talk to you. It's weird. Right. Right. And then I'd be like, all right. So I said, I'd like to speak with name, please, at the beginning of all my calls. And I scheduled two demos, had 12 conversations, but dialed like 8,000 numbers, right? (laughs) So that's how it started. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to get more tactical and I'm going to start talking about other stuff I do, like writing emails and using video because I was big into video. Like, I loved Vidyard in its early phases. I was a Vidyard user. So like, I was that guy that was like sending this crazy like, hey, what's up? Like stupid wave, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like it was hard for me to not leverage that because I have a big boisterous personality that I knew how to harness. Right. So all the while I'm thinking to myself, I got to give this thing a name. Right. And in the 80s, I grew up in the 80s, say what was like super popular. (laughs) Everybody was saying it. And as I was like creating all this content about cold calling and like going through a cold call and being able to nail down a meeting and what questions you should ask and stuff, people would always hit me with DMs and stuff. And they'd be like, what do I say when? What do I say when they say this? What do I say when they do that? What do I say? So say what sales rolled off the tongue, super nice. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Dude, I'm not bullshitting. In the first like iteration, I was like, that's it. We're going to use that forever. That's like my whole shebang. (laughs) That is awesome, man. So then I started doing the videos. And at the end of the videos, I wanted to say something. Uh, Kenneth was big on like, hashtag Mr. I hate Mondays. That way everybody knew the hashtag. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he would say, so I was like, oh, what am I going to say that is my shit that people know me for? And what I came up with at the time, I was selling to salespeople. So what I came up with was if you're a salesperson, we're the same person. So it made a lot of sense when I said it that salespeople would come running at me full sprint. And that's exactly how it went. And it's still that way today. Identify. Yeah. That is awesome, man. I love the genesis of how you got there from where you began and how you ultimately got there and then how it worked, right? I mean, like, that's the cool (laughs) part is to see those things come to fruition and actually uh, work the way you want it to work. Yeah. Rapid growth is the mark. Yeah. That's fantastic. Hey, so tell, I'm always big into origin stories. You know, the new Batman movies out. I'm all about origin stories. So I haven't seen it yet. Don't ruin it. No spoilers. Well, it's only four and a half hours long. So trust me, if you can stay awake, it's insanely long. But it's- I'll allocate a whole weekend for it. 
I was expecting an intermission at some point. I never got one. But Braveheart had an intermission. <laughs> I know. That's what I was saying. They had an intermission. I was like, about two hours in, I'm like, okay, let's get a little pause here so I can get something to drink, go to the restroom. But tell us a little bit about your background from a sales perspective. What, what was your first sales job? Help us understand kind of your background, James. Oh, yeah. So my first sales job was I was a phone line salesperson, door-to-door, B2B in the heat for AT&T. It was a small firm here out of Knoxville, Winstead Marketing. They were like a door-to-door B2B in a full-on suit, like shaking hands. From I came from the kitchen. Like that was my, I spent 15 years in the kitchen. And then I pivoted into sales off and on. And that was one of them that I pivoted into. But it was my first real like professional sales job. I did good. Like for me, like just coming in and being like, I'm the local rep. So I wanted to introduce myself and drop my card off. Can I take one of yours? Usually they'd have them out. Yeah. Yeah. And they'd go, yeah, I'm not the owner. There's the card right there. Or they'd be like, yeah, what's your name? We'd have a conversation in Tennessee. Introducing yourself is like an open door to conversation, right? No shit. I worked retail at a cashier. I was a cashier at a dollar general and the shit that people will tell you just because you give off a vibe that says, I want to hear your shit. It's amazing. You'd be like at the cash register. You'd be like, Hey, how you doing today? And they'd be like, my ex-wife is such a bitch. And you're like, all right, cool. What's your name? Like, let's, let's have that conversation. Let's go down that path right now. (laughs) Well, I got acclimated originally born in the Midwest. So I'm a Kansas city. I'm a native. But I went to school down in Alabama. So the South was ah. like the friendliest people in the world. Like, you're right. Like, totally. They, you could stop somebody on the corner and say, you want to have a conversation? Like, sure. What do you want to chat about? <laughs> What's your name? Let's talk about it. I don't even need to know your name. Let's just go get a cup of coffee. No names. No names. Yeah. Yeah. So selling door to door phone lines. For, okay. Yeah. So I was using a, a couple techniques that they gave me that I still use today is I have a tendency when I talk to somebody to shake my head. Yes. Right. I very like it's a natural thing now that I learned from that organization to where like I will literally shake my head yes at somebody while I talk to them and it becomes a subconscious thing. You're already starting right. to shake your head yes subtly. I've always done it. So I I'm hoping it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, everybody. What I find that salespeople do often is they'll say great stuff. They're doing this with their head, right? And then shaking their head no and it's like a It's like a subconscious signal to your buyer to reject you, put an objection in front of you. When you're shaking your head, yes, there's like a natural tendency for them to maybe agree more, be a little more agreeable with you. So I learned the body language part of it really early in my sales career. The next sales job I had was not B2B, but door-to-door residential. And it was with Fork and Pest Control. And that was where brand really hit me hard. Because that big red diamond and that hard hat and mustache was unmistakable in neighborhoods all over East Tennessee for a hot minute. <laughs> that is am- so let me ask you this, because you said, hey, listen, I kind of started, I remember you were a chef or you were in the kitchen and that was kind of your yeah. background and you dabble back and forth into sales. Obviously it's stuck. Yeah, got to get out of the kitchen, man. It's hot in there. It, it, without a doubt. Not as hot as being in a suit selling door to door in the summer months in East True story. It is sweaty. It is sweaty. But you know, the good part was that when I did it for Orkin, the brand part kicked in and it became a lot less sweaty. So the story goes, the short story is that I spent a lot of time getting doors slammed in my face. You might not be able to tell on your little box here, but I'm a large mammal. 
And when I knock on somebody's door and they are 120 pounds, they have a hard time letting giant ass me in their door if they're home alone. Like that's a hard pass for lots of people. So I'm getting the door. I never get through the door in all these neighborhoods and I'm coming back and I'm leaving my car and I'm coming back and sweating, just walking, you know, because you yes. park the truck and you get out and you walk like door right. to door. That's what door to door is. For those of you that have never done it before, like that's how we used to do sale. Right. <laughs> so I'm doing this. And then every day at lunch, I would go and I'd park at like a gas station or like a Weigel's. That's a gas station. Yeah like a little supermarket maybe. And I'd park and I would just eat my sandwich, drink my soda. And I was always upset because I couldn't make it through a meal without 20 people coming up to me and being like, hey, can I ask you a question about roaches? Hey, can I ask you a question about ants? <laughs> and then one day, like it hit me. I'm like, why am I so upset? I'm doing this the wrong way. Stop knocking on doors. I just need to move the truck and sit in parking lots and people will come. And ask me, and man, I ended up scheduling meeting after meeting. Like you just sit there and you wait and the brand pulls them in and they think they have this. They think they have termites. They think they have a bee's nest in the backyard. Can anyone come remove a snake? There was like so many different things that they come at you with at full speed, like full trust already baked in just because of that red diamond. Yeah. So say what sales really was the long game from day one because I recognized that from my days at Orkin. That's amazing. So what, what kept, like, you dabbled, you got into it, you got back into the kitchen, came back, like, but what's kept you passionate? I mean, I, I sense the passion, obviously. What is it about sales that just is at? Oh, yeah. Uh, this is the passion. You're looking at it right here. This is the passion. Like, if you asked anyone 20 years ago where I am today, they would tell you dead or in prison. They wouldn't tell you here. My whole story is out there on Make It Happen Mondays. Feel free to go listen to it. But I am an oddity. I should not even be alive right now. Like I made terrible decisions growing up, terrible, like awful decisions. And it seems like my passion stems from this ability to share that upcome, that come up with other people that resonate with that want for more. So I landed on this. This is the best way I can describe the source of my passion. I ride a fence in my life. Yeah. And on one side of the fence, there's all these people that want to be where I am. And I'm always reaching down to help them get on my fence. And on the other side of the fence, there's all these people that are where I want to be. Right. And I'm always reaching up so they can help me get on their fence. And if I just keep riding these fences over and over throughout my life, and I keep reaching down to help others, and I keep reaching up to get help from others, dude, I can't lose. Right. I like it. So I tell people, get on the fence. It's nice up here. <laughs> Most people are saying, get off the fence. James is saying, get the hell on the fence. Get on the fence. Stay there, man. Like, get on the next fence. Like, there's lots of fences. On the other side, the grass is greener all the time. Yeah. So I love that piece of it. So I want to jump into this because this is something you and I were chatting about offline. Yeah. And we were, like, so passionate about both of these subjects. We're like, hey, listen, let, let's make it one episode. We talked about time management and omnipresence. So we're going to bucket these two things separately and tackle them together. Sure. Let's tackle the time management piece because I think that makes the most sense. But I want to get your thoughts on it. But my biggest challenge, I want to kind of get your thoughts as I walk you through this. Time has always been the biggest challenge for me. Like there's just never enough time, right? What is the old saying? 30 some odd percent of people's sales, people's time is actually spent selling. There's multiple things they get distracted with doing or have to do. Finding. Yeah, I'm distracted by six things right now. Without a doubt. 
I'm shopping Amazon right now as I'm talking to you. And I, I got people reaching out to me like it's crazy. I'm like turning calls down. <laughs> what have you found from a time management standpoint that has really stuck with you, that has really worked for you? And let's just kind of hash that out a bit, James. Yeah, for me, I think there are several factors to consider, but time blocking is where you want to start. Yeah. Time blocking is so important. And I think people don't realize that they actually manage so many different things, even if you don't realize it. If you think you're a salesperson, that's great. 30% is actually really high. I think it's actually less Probably. time that salespeople spend actually selling. I would argue that the reason for that is because most people, sales or not, we're just not very good at managing our time well, especially when we have 10,000 social media platforms to choose from and Amazon and Facebook and Instagram are really good at selling to me, right? Like they just know what I buy and why I buy it. So they advertise to me and it's easy for me to go do that, right? I'm a fan of lots of different things that I want to do on my spare time, but we work from home now. So there's this pull to be like, oh, 10 minutes doing this other thing. That's not going to matter. Oh, my laundry is done. I'm going to go <laughs> fold my laundry. We live in this world of like right. major distraction. So time blocking. It's definitely blurred more since being remote without a doubt. Yeah. Most people that are working remote still understand and feel the pain. Also, because everybody's working remote, there's 10 times more people in your life that are texting you going, I'm on the way over. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not busy. Like totally fine. Sure. Right. Like that's the way we think. Oh, it's cool. So productivity and time management go hand in hand because time blocking is what you need. So I'll often tell people like, what is your role? If you are an SDR, then you need blocks for cold calling. You need blocks for social media, whether that's responding to DMs, doing outreach in social media, or sending connection requests, or building lists. You decide what that is. But you also need blocks for administrative work, managing those lists. You probably need a block for data management because let's be honest, the data decay issue has had gasoline poured on it for the better part of the last two years, right? There are so many hats that we have to wear without time blocking on your calendar. You have no structure to your day in, day out. And here's another thing to factor in. And everyone that's listening to this is going to go, fuck yeah, James, you're absolutely right when I say this. No matter what you might have planned, there are at least five people at your company that could hit you on Slack at any point and become your priority. So knowing that that is true, we've got to be prepared for all cases, all things, time blocking so that you can make sure that you've allocated the time to accomplish goals, hashtag goals, shout out my friend's ambition, right? We have to have that time block. That's where you start. There's another piece to that, but I'll pause for effect. <laughs> So let me layer onto that first, because I, I learned that really early on in my career. And thank God to an old mentor of mine that showed me the value of blocking a calendar. Yeah. There's two extra things that I, at least he instilled in me. And I think you would agree with this is you got to be hyper diligent with it. Like in not everything, most things shouldn't interfere with like, unless it's cataclysmic, you've got to honor it. You've got to be hyper diligent around keeping that. And you've got to manage up in keeping that. Like you've got to, sh if you're not managing your time, everything around you is managing your time. Without a doubt. You have zero control over your outcomes. Yeah, without a doubt. So those are only two things that I would say, because in a prior life, especially as a younger sales rep, if my sales manager said, I want to catch five minutes with you and I know it's cold calling time, well, he's my boss. I better give it to him. 
But learning to manage up and actually set those expectations with my colleagues and my peers, that's where it shifted for me, James, and managing my time as diligently as possible. So only a couple of things I'd add. Yeah. So I'll give you a couple of responses to give to people that become your priority and hand you things. And there are a lot of them, right? Right. It could be a colleague that's lateral. It could be somebody that's just slightly above you. It could come from all the way up, but somewhere along the way, there's five people that are in your general vicinity on a daily basis, whether that's in Slack or in an office, yep. that when they bark, they immediately become a priority. That is the way of life. <laughs> right. When that happens, you need to be transparent and say, here's where I'm at right now. Do you want me to deprioritize this? Because if your quota is what you're being held accountable for and you're being handed work that's not directly related to you hitting your quota, then you need to bring to the person's attention that's giving you that work. This is where I am in getting to my quota this month. Would you like me to deprioritize the quota and do this instead? That is a healthy question for you to ask and you're not yeah. in the wrong. That's I think people feel like if they ask a question, somebody's going to be like, oh, they're just a toxic employee. Right. Oh, they just push back on everything. There's nothing wrong with asking that question. Yeah. Get the answer. Sometimes they're more interested in you hitting the quota. So they take that work and they go find somebody else that's at quota to give it to. Without a doubt. Right? Yeah. You can do these things. Very smart. Here's the other piece of the puzzle, though. Task management plus time blocking equals successful time management. That's the equation. Now, we manage two pipelines of tasks. We manage revenue generating tasks. And then we manage projects and things that we get handed from those external factors that we were referencing earlier. Yeah. Right. We all get them. It's okay. You're supposed to get them. It's fine. That's how we learn things. Right. But that's a different kind of task. So here's the way I typically say it. Keep your tasks separate, but make sure you're using the time blocking factor to be able to allocate the time, no matter the task. So here's how I do it. We are Asana users at JB Sales. Mm -hmm. Because we use Asana, I know that I can go through my Asana and look at all the different tasks that are not revenue related that I need to get done by their deadline today. Then I look at my available time and I move things accordingly if I have to, but I make sure to bang out all those things that are due today in Asana. Normally, these aren't very time consuming things. I'm lucky that way. Other things, very time consuming, right? Allocate the time accordingly. I use Salesforce for my revenue generating tasks. And I use Cirrus Insight to manage all of the tasks in Salesforce inside my inbox so I never have to leave, right? That is the way that I manage to be able to get everything done and the tasks don't overlap very much. I look at my, my tasks that are due for my revenue and I go, all right, I have 32 tasks to do today. I know that's gonna take me an hour and a half, two hours. Where can I fit that in? And if I can't fit it in, what can roll over? Because I also have these other things in Asana that have to be done, and I need to allocate time for those too. So task management plus time blocking equals time management, or at least one effective way to manage your time. Well, I think the big thing that you said there is segmenting the task into two buckets, like you said, revenue generating and then the administrative, right? They both got to be done, but there's got to be a priority associated with both. But the guiding light for you is, where those fall in your time management, where they fall in your blocks. And that's where you allocate the time to knock those specific tasks out. Right, James? Yep, absolutely. Because if quota is more important, my revenue generating tasks are going to take the priority. But 
if promo and attendance and registration for an event that we're sponsoring or that we are having sponsored is more important, I'm going to come back to that revenue generating activity later on this afternoon and I'm going to knock out the stuff that's a priority. Once again, our priorities have to be able to shift all the time. Here's a tip for everyone out there. If you have conflicting priorities and things are important to you that you feel aren't getting done, get up earlier and get the time to do it. I get up at 5 a.m. every day, and I know there's lots of people listening to this going, James, fuck that. (laughs) Hey, I hear you. But from 5 to 8, 5 to 9, I don't have those five people coming at me making themselves a priority in my life. And that right there was a game changer for me as a frontline seller. Because those five people now, they... I'm working on the same thing that they're working on. We are a hive mind at JB Sales. But when I was on the front lines, anybody could take my priority anytime. Right. Being able to get up early and be like, these three hours are for this thing that I really want to get done. That was a game changer for me because nothing is bothering you at five in the morning. Right. So here's the thing that I think what we're talking about, and I think what I realized early on in my career is if you really boil down time management, task management, there is no secret sauce to it. It's just how you manage it, right? A lot of it's table stakes. It's just the diligence of actually doing it. To your point, if you're finding that there's just still not enough time, then start getting up a little earlier or staying a little later, whatever the magic combinator denominator is for you. I find that getting up at six to eight is when I get those overlapping or things I can't seem to find enough time for. That I like personally, like reading blogs, listening to podcasts, catching up on certain things that I know are valuable to me as a sales professional, but I don't want to take the golden hours, if you will, eight to five to really do them. That's where I fit those into specifically. I think that's a great call out. So I think that, again, task management is like fluid, right? Because it changes so often. I agree that you can put them at a specific time that works for you. Yeah, But man, I like to throw this out there. This is a good idiom that they say here in the South. (laughs) We plan and God laughs. Right. Right. Like that's a really good thing to think about in our day-to-day routines as revenue generating people. (laughs) I'm going to give you one better, James. I like the Mike Tyson one better. Everyone has a plan to get punched in the face. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And that's exactly my point is like, man, we plan. We make these big, grandiose plans. And you know what? Most of the time, we feel compelled to stick to these plans, and we don't even know why. Right. We don't even know why we made this plan. And then we feel pressure to hit deadlines that we put on ourselves. Yeah. I remember just recently this happened. We had this big thing that I wanted to do, and it was super gratuitous, and like there was no call to action for like selfish stuff. It was just like a it was just like a thing that I don't want to ruin it because I'm going to release it anyway, but it's not going to happen when I want it to happen. It's going to happen later. So like, I'm thinking to myself, I could be really frustrated with this and I could be like, yo, this is irritating because I really want to do this, but I can't because of all these other things that are going on. And then it dawned on me like, no, James, like, don't be upset. There's no reason to be upset. There's no time limit on value. It can be just as impactful in February as it is in April. Value does not have a time limit, but we put this thought in our brain. It has to be done by this date at this time. I want to do it at this time. Just because you block it off on your calendar doesn't mean it can't be removed, changed, moved. Sure. Right? Don't feel like because you lock it in, you're compelled to do it. That is the wrong way for free thought. 
Yeah, I agree. But one thing I would say on it, James, and the only thing I guess I would have a little bit of pushback on that with is I know me and I know a lot of salespeople. If I make it too fluid, I'll never freaking do it. Like, I'll be like, oh, I could push that to tomorrow. Oh, it's okay. I don't get to it today. Like, I think that's the thing that that's a slippery slope that you like. It's okay that you're right. If you never do it, though, how important is it? Without a doubt. But I could say the same thing about listening to podcasts and reading a book. I try to read 15 pages. Like, it's important. But in the grand scheme of things, how important is it if I keep pushing it out two or three days? Talk to John. John will be the first one to tell you. I don't read a lot of books. Right. He'll be the first one to tell you. I read a lot of books, but I read a lot of books and then they're gone. I don't like my memory doesn't retain a lot of stuff from there. Without a doubt. You know, I can read it. I get the general idea. If you're asking me to recite it, I'm probably not going to be able to do that. Without a doubt. No way. I agree with you. Right. But like, dude, if you're pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off, and it hasn't affected you, should you have been doing it in the first place? Probably not. Yeah. It makes no difference in the grand scheme if you're focused on the one thing. Jim Collins, Good to Great. Are you familiar with this book? Yep. Yeah. The Hedgehog, right? What do you really like doing? What are you the best at? And then what economic resources do you have at your disposal to do those things all the time? Mm -hmm. The shit that's in the middle of that Venn diagram, that's the thing that you should be focused on 100%. Everything else should function as a road to that thing. Right. Makes sense. It does. No, without, I, listen, I think boiling down task and time. Or I just sold you. You just sold me on it. Well, <laughs> you sold me to a degree. I'm like, I still have a plan of attack. Now you're right. I do agree with you when you say, Hey, if Sam, if you've pushed this out four or five days, then it really isn't a priority. It really shouldn't even be on your time management or task management schedule. Remove it and then live to fight another day and put that to a, a value, more value add that you should be focused on. 100% agree with you. Or just move it and do it later. Right. Don't feel compelled like, oh, I have to do that. Oh, I have. We have this thing where we like store it in our mind. Oh, I've been meaning to get to that, right? You hear this stuff all the time. But it can't be that important if you've been meaning to get to it for six months. I can say the same thing about the gym for me. Like, I haven't allocated. I can't. No, I just started on my gym journey and you don't want to go there, pal. I'll tell you right now, that lady is not playing. She beats my ass. I'm like, I could not go today at seven. I could push that. How important is it to me, James? I never go. So I guess it's not important. I'm just going to stop. <laughs> if you are a healthy male without any type of medical problems that require you to go get fit, <laughs> good good on you, man. What are you worried about? You're healthy. You won. You got them all. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> exactly right. So I want to jump into omnipresent because this was actually a term before you and I chatted, and maybe I'm just not that sharp. Omnipresence is not a term I heard. I've heard the Omni channel and I've all these other, but talk to, first help me understand when you say omnipresence, yeah. help us understand that from a context standpoint. Absolutely. So I'm a salesperson and my job is to get attention from people that aren't expecting to give me any today. That's my <laughs> job, right? So I, I've right. been saying it like this lately and it's gotten me in trouble a couple of times, but I feel like <laughs> you and I have a vibe where I can say this. So, all right. We are told our whole lives, like from birth on, we are told, don't talk to strangers. And not only don't talk to strangers, but definitely don't get in the van. Don't get in their right. cars, right? Like that is our parents beat this into us. And then we become adults and a huge percentage of our societal at large becomes a sales professional. And now their job is literally not just talk to strangers but get in the van for the candy and the puppies. Like that's, <laughs> that's the job of a sales professional. So 
when you think about what it takes to get somebody's attention and what it takes to drive them to take action and respond in any way, whether physically or emotionally or verbally or non-verbally, what do you have to do? You have to stand out. You have to be that thing that's different. When I say omnipresence, I mean that once you're on my radar, it is damn near impossible to ignore me because I'm going to call you first and I'm going to leave you a message. Five minutes after that, I'm going to send you an email referencing that call. And then right after that, I'm going to hit you on LinkedIn. And all three of those happen in like 10 minutes. And I'd be like, yo, on LinkedIn, my connection request is like, yo, left you a message, sent you an email, closing the loop to add you to my professional network too. Talk soon, James, cell phone number, right? I just became a human being. And I give this person a choice how they want to reach out to me. Shocker, they're not dialing my phone number like crazy. But I get DMs and emails back that start with, got your message. I'm fine with that. If you don't respond to one of those three, I'm going to shoot you another email the next day. But then I'm going to go find you on Twitter and I'm going to follow you there. And then I'm going to look and I'm going to see, okay, is this person even active on LinkedIn? If they are, I'm going to go find their last post and I'm going to dig into it. And I'm going to leave a thoughtful comment, right? Not great pick, nice share. I agree. No one gives a shit about those comments. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) That's you, just so you know, sellers out there, that's you attaching to a popular post so that you can get exposure because you're on that post. Stop it. Agree 100%. If you're not going to leave a thoughtful comment, just leave it alone. Hit the like button and move on. All the above. Right? Leave a thoughtful comment or don't leave a comment. Right? Right. On Instagram, on Twitter, on Snapchat, and all these other things. Oh, you can great pick, nice share all day. But on LinkedIn, that is no fly zone. (laughs) Very useless. After that, I'm going to go and I'm going to find you the next day on Instagram. And I'm going to see the last thing you posted there and leave a thoughtful comment. Then I'm going to send you another email and dial you again. By the time you talk to me, you feel like you already know me. I've been a part of your everyday routine. You cannot log into something that you log into and not see me in your notifications. This, I become part of someone's everyday routine and it is difficult for them to not give me the time. By the time we talk, I know what they did for the last two weeks. You know what, I, I love that. Because I'll tell you why, where I think as a sales profession, we, you know, everybody talks about cold calling and pick up the phone and dial and make dials and email and then LinkedIn. But I think we get real too, we get way too focused on specific channels. Like what I mean by that is, well, the only way I could do this is through phone, through email and LinkedIn. And I'm just going to barrage them with those three. And I'm going to put them on these type of steps. I can't tell you the last time some, and I'm pretty active on Twitter. I can't tell you the last time someone's actively engaged me on Twitter. I'm pretty active on Instagram. I've done a lot of those, like those things are just baffle my mind. And it shouldn't, right? In today's, like you said, we live and breathe on multiple, like you said, we're getting pinged six ways to Sunday. Where do I spend my time? But more importantly, James, what I love what you said was, don't waste time where I'm not. If I'm not actively posting anything on LinkedIn, but I'm doing it on Twitter, why hit? Yeah, you're wasting your time. <laughs> why reach out to me on LinkedIn? That makes yeah. no sense. I had to show somebody that on a screen share yesterday. I was like, bro, let's go look at some of your prospects LinkedIn's. You know, he's like, I'm sending all these things on LinkedIn after they accept. First of all, Sometimes when people say that to me, I say, well, let me see what you're sending. And they're sending shit that's 100% about them. I wouldn't respond to that either. Like, dude, stop, right? Like, you're not even talking about them. You're talking about you. So don't do this, right? But then at the same time, like, 
they might have accepted your connection request and swiped right on their cell phone, but they don't log in to LinkedIn. And you can tell that because the last time they posted on LinkedIn was 2014. Or they have 116 connections. <laughs> or 12. Like I've seen it both ways, right? But again, like, and you know, let's talk about the people with 12 connections for just a second. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I get bothered when those people are the people that reach out to me and they're like, I can help you grow your network. And then I look at your profile and you have 12 <laughs> connections. Would you please, please have more than right. 12 connections if you are going to help me grow my network? That has to stop. That's just a side note. <laughs> don't sign me up for your program. You don't do it right. <laughs> It's funny though, James, we laugh about, and it is true, but we laugh about it, but I have seen like, people are so diligent around, I got to hit them on LinkedIn. That's the only, that's the third channel I can use. If I don't hit them on that, then what am I left with? I got to call. I don't have the direct number. Like, so you call and you learn and you call other people. So here's a good tip, right? Stop trying to build a relationship with people that just reside above the power line and start building a relationship with an organization. And you're going to find that the people that are live above the power line you get their attention because you're building a relationship with their organization. If you earn it, it's hard for them to say no to you when it comes to learning who you are and what you do. But if you're that person that's just constantly reading out, can I have some time? When can we put time on the calendar? Do you have a calendar link? Here's my calendar link. I noticed we didn't get time yet. Like, dude, decision makers get pissed when people are this way because you're not even providing them any value. You're not even giving them a reason to give you time in most cases. So your CTAs matter. Ask them for feedback. Give them something and say, read this part of it because it's relevant to you. Find something that happened at their company and tie it into your value proposition in some way. But if you don't give them a reason to give you that time, you're just another obnoxious salesperson that wants my time so you can read some script to me and then hope that I'm like, oh my God, I've been waiting for this my entire life, which never fucking happens. <laughs> Well, you know what I you know what I call that is we're waiting for the silver bullet or the field of dreams. If we build it, yeah. then we'll go. No, I'm gonna tell you right now, no <laughs> silver bullets in this game right now. Pragmatism, and I've been saying this for a long time now, pragmatism is the religion of sales today. We have to do what works, and what works for one buyer doesn't necessarily work for every buyer. Without a doubt. I could do something six times and land six meetings. The next day I do the same thing and everybody shits all over me. Like you have no idea. <laughs> Or I do find something that works and, and it becomes saturated, right? Like what used to work a month ago. Remember, I remember Dear Gibby's early on in my career, like the breakup email, like it worked and then it got saturated and everyone started to use it. Like you've got to evolve and adapt. Well, full circle. I told you about that template that I shared when I first, like first thing that went viral. I had people in my DMs that told me that they scheduled meetings using that template. I had people reaching out to me in my DMs saying that they'd received that template from people yeah. that were in my network and outside my network yeah. like three times in a day. So like, if you are a copy and paster and something is known, you are a fraud in the eyes of that prospect. You are somebody that is what we used to refer to in 2015 as spraying and praying. I'm going to send this message to 6,000 people, and I only want to talk to people that are going to buy. Right. You're doing no work there. In fact, you're probably damaging your domain. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you that because this is a question I'm always curious about. I try to be omni-channel, omnipresent across as much as I possibly can. 
Yeah. So is there channels that you're finding that we are just missing the market? Like you found, I don't want to say nuggets or, you know, this is a diamond in the rough, but have you found like Instagram, Twitter, something else that, you know, what has TikTok is the way right now. TikTok. TikTok is the way. So TikTok is the way for a couple of reasons. I don't know if you've been following the algorithm, but the algorithm has been proven to put you in front of more people that you're not connected with than any other social media platform in history. So if that's true, your content needs to exist there, not because you're out there trying to make sales to people on TikTok, but because it's going to get you in front of people that you don't know. One network will almost always feed another. If you're creating content on TikTok and somebody that's in your space using SEO, using hashtags, using all kinds of ways, you can get in their feed and they'll see you and you might have an inbound connection request next day that you're like, I don't know who this person is on LinkedIn and here's my go-to. Again, lots of tips and nuggets to drop for you, your listeners here. Every time you get an inbound request, you should accept and respond with, hey, thank you for connecting. What was it that prompted you to reach out? Most of the time, if they come from Instagram, they're like, I follow you on Instagram. If they found you on TikTok, they're like, I follow you on TikTok. One network feeds another. And LinkedIn is where the business stuff happens. So natural progression states that if you continue to share content on TikTok, it will continue to feed your additional networks. Here's another factoid. Sharing it on TikTok is not the only place to share your TikTok video. TikTok videos perform very well on other social media platforms as well. Right. So the cross-pollination, as I commonly refer to it, is quite valuable for the health of your pipeline over the course of time if you're willing to be consistent because consistency over time equals audience. Right. You know, a TikTok is one of those type of things I have not, not dived into as much as I should. And everyone's given me that insight that TikTok is kind of the, the new frontier as far as future-proofing your brand by leveraging TikTok. If you are a resource for young people on TikTok today, you will be a resource for them when they come of age and join LinkedIn. Let me ask you this, because this is a conversation I was having offline with another prior guest. There's this kind of this yin and yang, because we're talking about omnipresence. We're talking about, hey, I'm going to hit you on LinkedIn. I'm going to hit you on phone. And I'm going to close the loop by saying, hey, I've hit you on by email. I've hit you by phone. Just wanted to close the loop and add you to my professional network. Yeah. One, two, three, punch. The next day you follow them on Instagram. Next day, TikTok or whatever. But the, the yang of that is scalability. Right? Everybody's always talking about scale. We got to be able to scale. We got to be able to scale. Like those nuance, doing that type of thing with very strategic people, that takes time, right? James, like, is there a give and a take that are we just too focused on scale? That's why all this batch and blast, spray and pray is where people are focused. I think two things. I think the first thing is you need to be dialed into your ICP and the personas that you want in your pipeline really, really well. The more you know those people, the easier it is for you to filter (laughs) and sift. Right. The other side of that coin is that, yes, success takes time. Sorry. Right. It turns out you have to give a shit and you can't just flip a switch. Yeah. Like, dude, it's going to take time. It's supposed to take time. Anything that you've ever really cared about took time. (laughs) Right? You didn't wake up as a father one day and was like, oh my God, I have a nine-year-old. I'm the best dad ever. No, it took time for you to get good at being a dad, right? You care about that role in your life. Yeah. We have to move away from instant gratification is the problem. Yeah. 
That's the bigger meteor problem. And that's something that's baked into our society ever since these things came about, man. That has nothing to do with sales or anything like that. That has everything to do with the way that we function as a species today. It's all about immediacy in today. I mean, that's, everything is about convenience and immediacy. Nowhere is this more obvious than in the SDR hired role. Somebody goes in and they become an SDR and they are the happiest dudes you ever met. Happiest ladies you've ever met. Hey, how you liking the job? Three months in, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. I can't believe I get paid for this. This is the best job. Everyone is super nice. I can't wait to keep doing this for the rest of my natural born life. It's fantastic. You can talk to that same rep eight months later and they're like, if I'm not an account executive by the end of the week, I'm going to fucking quit. You've been here a year. Like, what are you talking about? Right. This is the nature of what we've created in our society when it comes to that swipe right instant win. Simon Sinek says it the best. You don't even have to learn how to meet girls anymore, man. Swipe right. You're a stud. Right. Even the most basic things that we designed in our culture to be able to acclimate to the broader tribe, we've swept them under the rug with technology. This is no different. Our image of success, somewhere along the way, we changed from I want to be successful. To I want a million dollars. And that became the new mark because so many people publicly make a million dollars. And now everyone you talk to that's 30 or younger is like, where's my million? Yeah. But at the same time, they're like, yeah, but I can't scale that. So wait, you want the million, but you don't want to do the work? That's what you're saying? Sorry, man. That is not real. <laughs> I don't know what right. movie you watched <laughs> that led you to believe that that was possible, but this ain't the fucking Wolf of Wall Street. Right. <laughs> So let me ask you this, because I know we're bumping up against it, but I want to get, you've been dropping a ton of tips and, and nuggets for the audience. It's been fantastic. Like, what is that omnipresence? Like, when you kind of think through that and you're kind of building your day and you're building how you approach your ICP, what are some of those nuances you've learned that, hey, yeah, this has really been valuable to me? Like you said, that script and things of that nature. Yeah, I'm going to give you something that no one else will give you, and it's hard to duplicate. I'm not going to lie to you. It's hard. It takes time. You got to harness it. It takes a lot of time. Your energy is what matters. Your energy is what people respond to. Your aura, the thing that you put out there, that's electric. That's what we have to dial into. Yes, there are buyers out there that are slotted. Their personality gravitates more towards that dry delivery. Right. But they are fewer and farther between nowadays. Our, my number one strength is that people want to talk to me when they get a video from me, when they hear me speak to them on the phone. My energy is what pulls them towards the conversation. And that's a secret weapon that you own as the seller. No one can take that away from you. That's the secret weapon that no one else has. It's you. But Jim, let me ask you on this, because I love that piece of it. But I can also tell it's genuine for you. The last thing you want to do is if it's not ge- like... Yeah, if it's not genuine, don't fucking do I, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't fucking call somebody and be like, I'm super ick. So I get this. No, no, hear me out, hear me out. So, so here's the thing. I look at it like, imagine you go into a restaurant and you sit down as a former restaurateur, I can tell you that this happens a lot, right? And like some waitress or waiter walks up to you and he's like, hey, what's up, you guys? My name's Zach and I'm going to be your server today. What yes. can I get you to drink? You're like, nobody talks like that, Zach. I don't know who the fuck you think you are, but please don't talk to me like that. That's right. overwhelming, right? No. What you're looking for is that guy that's like, hey, what's popping, everybody? I'm James. I'm going to help you out. 
What's everybody deciding to drink? We're doing a cocktail. What do you got? Right? That's much more authentic. That's the way I talk. If you can't dial in your energy and harness it to use it to be authentic for your prospects and take that language that somebody gave you on a piece of paper and make it your own, dude, you are going to continue to struggle. Your authentic self, hashtag selling from the heart, my friend Larry Levine, great book if you haven't read it. If you are not your authentic self throughout your entire sales career, you are selling dreams. You are selling wishes and promises. I think that's the key call out, James, is being authentic. Like be who you are and allow that to shine through, right? I think that's the common, because I love you, man, but I have about one-tenth of the energy of you did. So if I tried to amp it up, I would last for about 25 seconds before I would putter out at my age, brother. But I try to be authentic. Hey, like I said, I have a very specific vibe and it's not for everybody and it's not easy to dial it in. I love it. I can't do it. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. When you do it, it's magic, but it's got to be you. Authentic, without a doubt. We've covered everything, man. I don't think there's anything left to cover in sales. This is the silver bullet. You listen to this freaking podcast. You don't have to listen to anything else. You're good to go. How do people get to know you, learn more about you, connect with you, all that kind of fun stuff, James? Yeah, so for sure, hit me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Say What Sales. I'm rapidly approaching my cap of 30,000 LinkedIn connections, so I'm going to have to trim the fat, <laughs> as they say. I uh, hope you guys make the cut. Hey, wait, I just saw that I'm no longer connected with you, James. <laughs> hey, did I go second degree? What happened? So I will also say that the best way to get in front of me and start talking about the things that matter most to you is to become a JB Sales member. And you can do that at joinjbsales.com. We want to have you in there. We want to help you win. Our job is to make you a better seller. Let's do it together because that's how we're better. I got a ton of guests on. And I will absolutely say the webinars, the content you guys do are phenomenal. Like, Thank you. What I love about them is they're not the holistic mumbo jumbo. They're very tactical. They're very specific. And they address specific things that we face on a day-to-day. That, I absolutely love them. So big shout out. Actionable takeaways is what we try to deliver on everything. But we have our fair share of mumbo jumbo, <laughs> I think. We, we do a good job covering both sides of the coin there. I don't think you could do one without the other to some degree, but I will say you got to have tactics if you're going to throw mumbo jumbo. You got to have mumbo jumbo if you're going to give tactics. Without a doubt, brother. Hey, man, (laughs) I sincerely appreciate you coming on, man. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Sales Samurai podcast with your host, Sam Capra. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast and visit salessamurai.io and join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content.